Growing up, um, I knew this kid, and uh, he was a pretty good kid, you know, based on worldly standards anyway. And, uh, you know, he made good grades, he was nice to people, he didn't, you know, he, he listened to his parents for the most part, he didn't really get into a lot of trouble, uh, at least didn't get caught a lot. Um, but this kid, he was exposed to some things at a young age that, you know, kids just shouldn't be exposed to. Um, he grew up around a lot of lost people, uh, it, whether that was at school or in his neighborhood. Uh, and so he learned about a lot when he was young, right? He knew about sex when he was really young. He knew all the cuss words when he was young, all the ones that are available in English, uh, including some in French, you know, the ones that you say, like, excuse my French, and then you don't use French. But he knew all those, right? Um, but this kid, you know, was being exposed to all of these things that really contributed to a mind that thought wrong, uh, flesh that lusted after things that it shouldn't. Uh, this kid grew up in a church that didn't really teach the Bible. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they didn't really encourage anyone to read the Bible or study it for themselves. They just went through more of a religious um, ceremonial motion each Sunday, and so it was void of a relationship with God. And this kid really didn't even know who Jesus was. In fact, at one point, he thought that the guy that was up preaching was Jesus, because he had long hair and a beard and a robe, and it looked like the pictures that you see of Jesus. So he thought that was Jesus. Um, but either way, you know, this, this led to a belief in God. He heard about God, but he didn't actually have faith in God, and he didn't have a relationship with God. But God gave him an opportunity to learn who Jesus actually was. One summer when this kid was about 15 years old, he attended a youth hangout at another church. And it was there that the gospel was preached so clearly that he finally understood the, the weight of his own sin. He understood that he was separated from his creator and that the only way back to a right relationship with him was by believing on Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead, that he had paid the penalty for all of his sins. And this was a really great day for this kid. He was saved, right? But he had no idea how to walk it out. He didn't know how to follow the Lord. You know, he had his ticket to heaven, but now what, right? He still didn't know the Bible. He didn't have any spiritual leaders in his life to tell him or show him what to do with the salvation he received. So it was back to the world, back to his flesh. And fast forward a little bit, he left the church as soon as he could get a job and start working and uh, saved up for a car and was able to, to finally get out and have freedom, right? He didn't know it at the time, it was actually bondage, but in his mind, at that point in his life, it was freedom. Freedom to go do whatever he wanted with his friends, whatever he wanted by himself. And this included partying, drinking, smoking, speaking however he wanted, trying to pursue his dreams. And as a young man, you know, he pursued relationships with women. And to put it nicely, these women were uh, fixer-uppers. Uh, there was no true love. It was just lust and uh, infatuation. This led to depression, which he hid from most people because he didn't feel loved. Uh, he felt empty, and he longed for a fulfilling relationship, and he was hoping that a woman would be able to fill that void 
And wherever that woman lacked alcohol and some Mary Jane would make up for it. But it was all vain. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved this young man, He broke that cycle. And He brought a godly woman into His life when He was 27 who would lead him back to church. This time to a church that actually preached the Bible, taught the Bible, and encouraged its congregants to to read it and learn it for themselves. And through God's Word, the Holy Spirit, and the body of Christ, this man's life turned to 180. It brought him to a place where he was able to finally have a relationship with his Heavenly Father. A genuine, fulfilling relationship. God was able to free him from guilt and shame that he had carried with him most of his life. He learned how to work out his salvation, how to walk in the newness of life that he had been given. He learned how to truly repent, to give his life to serving the Lord and his people. He cleaned up his life. He gave up partying and all that goes along with it. He cleaned up his language. He put off the old man and put on the new. And plus, he gained an amazing wife in the process. He was finally starting to understand his role in the world, and it wasn't to be of this world. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, that kid was me. So that's my testimony. Anyone here who's saved, they have their own testimony, right? That would point to a life where they lived without God without his ways, without his understanding, without his instruction. But your testimony eventually gets to that but God statement, and that's where everything turns around, right? So your first blank today is God and the title of your message. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we need you. Lord, I need you. Um, and I just, I thank you for salvation. I thank you, Lord, that Lord, you would use me in any capacity. Father, you know who I am. Uh, but yeah, Lord, you are rich in mercy. And I thank you for the love that you have for all of us, the mercy that you have for all of us. I just want to pray that, Lord, you would speak through me this morning. Uh, Father, help us to hear what you want us to hear, see what you want us to see, Lord. And would you be with my brothers and sisters, Lord, and please encourage them uh, this morning. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. That was a hard start, guys. But this morning, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about testimonies and just the occurrences of this phrase, but God, in the Bible relating to testimonies. We'll also be reminded of God's testimony, of his mercy, no matter what we're going through. And then just want to consider if we're obeying God and actually protecting our own testimony, right? So, Our focus verse today will be Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, it's your next blank. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. This is what we need to be telling people about. Point one is we want to present our testimony. You know, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, this, this is actually a layout of our, of our testimony, right? It's who we were before salvation, 
and then what happens. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1 and go through 7. So Ephesians 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So Paul is writing this to a church in Ephesus. This is around late 50s, early 60s AD, right? And, and this first century church was dealing with a lot of problems as it sought to be established and to grow in a pagan society. You see, Ephesus was a, was a huge uh, seaport of uh, the ancient world, right? And they would have had a lot of cultures, a lot of religious stuff going on, different religions and gods and everything mixed together. And so as the church is getting established, Paul is reminding them, here's your testimony. And this is what the people needed to hear. It's so important that Paul reminded the church in Ephesus of their testimony because they needed to be reminded and the people around them needed to know that God changes everything. They needed to know about the one true God. They needed to know about the testimony of the people who put their faith in Him. So in chapter 1, Paul tells them about their position in Christ, right? And he reveals the mystery of the church. He talks about how the church was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and how they've been given all spiritual blessings, how they're holy and without blame before God and love and how they're righteous and accepted because of Christ and what He's done. And by the time you get to chapter 2, then you see their new nature, right? This is who you are. This is your new nature. But He reminds them of where they came from. And it's here in Ephesians 2 that we see that greatest contrast but God. The contrast between living in our flesh, dead in our sins, and being made alive in Christ. So I'm going to break it down just a little bit. The word but is used 244 times in the book of Proverbs alone. It's a lot of buts. It's really used to show this contrast between good and evil, right? And right and wrong. And, and I know we'll be using the word but a lot. So hopefully this message does not stink. But the dictionary defines but as a conjunction that's used to introduce something contrasting with what has already been mentioned, right? A synonym for that could be however, or despite that. So when talking about this, this but God, it's like despite whatever has happened before, here was my life before God. However, this is what it is now. It's that turning point in our testimony. We see who we were before, but God. That's the point where it all turns, right? And then that, that phrase, but God, it appears in our Bible 46 times, and it turns out that there's a pattern 
of God's mercy shown in so many places every time that phrase shows up, right? But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, this really stood out to me. We've been studying, we just finished our study in the book of Ephesians in our Bible study in our, in our life group. And uh, this is one that just, that just stuck with me. And so I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper. So the first, uh, the first mention of this phrase, but God, it appears in Genesis chapter 20 and verse 3. And check out God's mercy in the life of Abraham and Abimelech. Starting in verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God, he came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said unto him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. I do. Could you imagine having that dream? I'd be. <laughs> I'd be doing a lot. All right, so check it out. God came in and had mercy on Abimelech. He warns him in this dream and stops him from sinning against him, right? In fact, if you look at at verse 6 there, God said to Abimelech in his dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. God had so much mercy on this guy. And not only on him, but on Abraham and on Sarah and on the nation, right? All of their testimony is but God. This could have been a turning point for the worst for them. But God, who was rich in mercy, stepped in, right? Let's check out another example. Look at God's mercy in the life of Joseph when his own brothers sold him into slavery. In Acts chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, And the patriarchs, that's Joseph and his brothers, moved with envy. They sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him and delivered him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh at king of Egypt and made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Joseph's testimony was, but God. Check out God's mercy in the life of David when Saul was seeking to take his life. In 1 Samuel 23, verse 14, And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in the mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul brought him, I'm sorry, and Saul sought him every day. But God delivered him not into his hand. David's testimony was but God. I'm telling you guys over and over again, this continues happening. Check out God's mercy in the life of Epaphroditus when he nearly died while laboring with Paul and ministering to him. In Philippians 2, verse 27, Paul speaking about Epaphroditus, he said, For indeed, he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, on Paul, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Epaphroditus' testimony is but God. But that's Paul's testimony as well, right? Check out God's mercy in the life of Jesus when he died on the cross. In Acts 13, verses 29 through 30, and when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, 
they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. Man, that's Jesus' testimony, right? And one of the greatest but God verses for us, the reason for our salvation, but God, Romans 5.8, He commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God for that, man. And this is key. We must share our testimony and how God is able to transform our lives because people need to know, man. The lost world around us, they need to know. Our family needs to know. Our coworkers, our friends. It's so powerful, man. There's a lot of examples. But I hope you're seeing where the pattern is coming here. And beyond the need to, for others to hear our testimony, it is good that we remind ourselves of God's testimony to us. So we want to present our testimony But point number two is that we want to preserve God's testimony. We need to maintain it. We need to keep it alive in our life. You see, through all these examples that I just gave, we can see God's testimony. But God warns us just like he did Abimelech. But God is with us just like he was with Joseph. But God protects us just like he did with David. But God protects our health just like he did with Epaphroditus. And that's not to say that we won't get sick, man, because Epaphroditus was sick. He almost died. But God stepped in, man. He helped him through that, right? But God spares sorrow just like he did for Paul. But God restores life just like he did with Jesus. But God commends his love toward us just like he did when Christ died for us. That's God's testimony. And God is faithful. God is so faithful. And I know you might be suffering right now, but God, God who is rich in mercy, right? I know maybe you feel alone, but God, maybe you feel overwhelmed in life right now, but God, you may be barren right now, But God, your children may not be following the Lord, but God, and maybe your marriage is falling apart, but God, you see what I'm saying, guys? There's always that turning point. So fill in the blank there on your handout. You know, I'm struggling with whatever it is, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, or with he loved me, and he's with me. Do you believe that? Man, that's God's testimony. And we must not forget God's testimony and how God is able to transform our lives. You know, the reason that God even uses someone like me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world. And the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why? Why? 
that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's why. Because God gets all the glory. And you know, at times when I feel inadequate for ministry, I remember, yes, I'm weak. Yeah, I'm foolish at times. Yes, I'm base. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved me, he chose me. And he wants to use all of us, guys. That's the thing. God actually wants to use all of us. Thank God for that, man. You know, and beyond the need then for others to hear our testimony and for us to remind ourselves of God's testimony, we must protect our testimony. So we want to present it. And we want to preserve God's testimony and and keep that alive for ourselves. But we also need to protect our testimony. You know, interestingly, when you switch these words around, but God, and you look at the phrases that show up in the Bible that say God, but, man, it has the opposite effect. You know, any time that we put a but after something that God has told us, we're usually not obeying. You know, our pastor Sam Miles reminds us that any time that you want to excuse away what God has told you, anything that comes after that but, it, it usually stinks, right? I thank God for Sam reminding us of that, man. So let's take a look at a few examples. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28, it says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I commanded you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. You know, when, when we turn aside from the way which God commanded us, there is no blessing in that. And that's the reality. Second Kings chapter 17, verses 19 through 20. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. So when we make our own statutes, our own rules to live by, the Lord rejects that. We don't get to make up the rules. We don't get to be God. Check out 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 11 and 12. I think I've been putting these up on the board, yeah. So you guys don't have to keep flipping around. But uh, 2 Kings 18, 11 through 12, And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel unto Assyria and put them in Halah and in Habar by the river of Gozan and in the cities of the Medes, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant and all that Moses the servant of God commanded and would not hear them nor do them. You see, when we transgress from the ways of the Lord, we too get carried away. And we end up in bondage in the world. And instead of following God and His ways to be removed from that bondage, man, we go the opposite direction. Take a look at Titus 1.16. And speaking of those who are unruly and deceivers, it says they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. 
So we have those that claim to know God, right? That claim to be a Christian. But the way they live, man, the things that they do, it gives no testimony of a changed life. It's just disobedience. It's like a kid saying, but dad, you know, I don't want to. We get that, man. But we can't excuse away what God said. We can't make our own rules. And we are blessed, man. We're blessed and we're removed from bondage of the world when we do follow God's commandments and His instructions and His perfect way. So let us not start with a but God testimony, but then turn it around because of our disobedience and our excuses as to why we can't follow God and what what God told us to do, right? This ruins our testimony with the rest of the world. It ruins it. And it's only by following God's way that we get that testimony of but God in the first place. So protect your testimony. And are we doing anything that might ruin our testimony before the lost world? Think about it. If we are, man, can we give that to the Lord? Can we turn? Because, man, having a good testimony is worth it, man. Being able to share that testimony is worth it. Preserving God's testimony with us and reminding others of it as well, you know? It's worth it. So I want to encourage you, you know, we have this Easter event coming up. We'll be inviting people. It's awesome. But man, I want to encourage you to think about who can you share your testimony with? Maybe it's one of these people that you'll invite. If you haven't taken time recently to write out your testimony, man, it's a really good thing. So to put it in writing and to see what God has done and look for that but God moment, right? And your own testimony. That's powerful. And it's good to share. So guys, this isn't a, I know, a super deep message, but man, I just wanted to remind you, this is where the Lord had had me recently, and I'm so thankful for it. And we have to remember, whatever's going on in our life, man, but God, but God, who's rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us, God's with us. So we want to present it, we want to preserve it, and then protect it, right? And so, you know, for anyone listening to this, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't have a but God moment in your life, if you don't have a, a turning point in your life that contrasts the way that you were living before to the way that you're living now, I want to invite you to believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, he was buried and he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto unrighteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to just share what you've put on my heart this morning. Lord, I know that, by God, it is you. It is you that gave me, my brothers and sisters in Christ, a but God moment and our lives a turning point, Lord, where you changed everything. And I thank you for it, Lord. I praise you for it. I thank you that we are able to be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because of you, Father. I thank you that we have a family in Christ, one that is different from the rest of the world, Lord. So, Father, I love you, and I thank you for this chance to to just speak about you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters to just take this to heart 
to consider their own testimony, to consider those who they could share this with, and let them know how good you are, God. Point to you. Give you all the glory, Lord. We love you and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.